Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. The Saints are back at practice Wednesday as they begin preparation for their game at the Carolina Panthers Sunday. In today's episode, John DeShazer and I will be talking to USA Today NFL columnist Jarrett Bell. He'll break down what he saw in the Saints-Buccaneers game and talks big picture NFL storylines. Saints quarterback Jameis Winston will speak to the media Wednesday, and the first injury report of the week will come out around 3 o'clock. All eyes will be on running back Alvin Kamara's status, and we're also hoping for good news on cornerback Paul Senadivo as well. You can find all of that on NewOrleansSaints.com later this afternoon. For those that may not be familiar with Jarrett Bell, he's covered the NFL since 1981 and has been with USA Today covering since 1993. He was selected as the 2022 Bill Nunn Memorial Award winner. The Nunn Award is given to a reporter who has made a long and distinguished contribution to pro football through their coverage. Bell is the first black journalist to receive the honor from the Professional Football Writers of America. It is a huge honor, big deal, and we'll get into that a bit as well. Here's Jared. Jared, Bell. thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. It's great having you. I hope you enjoyed your time here in New Orleans this past weekend. How are you? Pretty good. And of course, I enjoyed New Orleans. That's like the favorite place to visit. Not so much for the game, even though the game was good and dramatic and all that stuff. But, you know, it's the food. It's the atmosphere. So got all of that. So good. it was good. good. Did you go into any good places to eat? Yeah, I had a I had a little place uh, and I can't think of the name of it. Uh, not too far from the quarter. So got that and got my fix. And, you know, when I left town, I was kind of like, you know what? I wish I had a couple more days here because yeah. I need to have this, that, this, that. So I have to uh, look forward to a return engagement. Yeah. Start your list for next year. Talking about the game itself, though, you said it was an entertaining game, a good game. It was slow for a while. It was definitely a battle. It kind of felt like at some point something was going to break. Why do you think that it took so long for one side or the other to have their moment, I guess? Yeah, I I think the fight that happened really kind of, you know, ignited a whole lot of stuff. It really did. I mean, it definitely changed the flavor of the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I look back at it, um, you know, it's a tight game. And the Bucks take the lead on this long, uh, you know, I guess it was 28-yard touchdown pass from Brady to, to Perriman. Um, that could have gone the other way. You know, Jameis Winston went deep to Alave a couple of times and was just inches or a foot or two off. And it, it, so the whole thing that happened with the Bucs taking control of the game and taking the lead could have gone the other way. As it turned out, I mean, the Bucks defense is really, really good. The Saints defense is really good as well, but Tampa Bay's defense has just been playing lights out so far this season. And they got it together in the fourth quarter to get the picks, but the fight was the story. And that's the one that we're still talking about here. And <laughs> as we get ready for week three, yeah, what has the conversation been there in Tampa post this game? Well, I've not been in Tampa, but you know, I've been kind of monitoring it. 
And um, some of the same questions that are, you know, well, maybe not the same tone as in New Orleans, but um, definitely questions about kind of how it all happened. You know, Tom Brady, he came out on his podcast and said that he thought that it was ridiculous that Mike Evans would be suspended for a game. Now that's Tom Brady talking about losing his best receiver. Sure. So he's a little bit biased, but, you know, in my mind, I, you know, I think you can really make the case that Mike Evans should have been suspended for more than one game. And so there's a couple things when you, when you go back and you look at the whole incident and you see the replays in the video, um, a, you know, I don't know if Lattimore really should have been thrown out as well as Evans on Sunday, but push that aside for a second and talk about the suspension. Well, back in 2017, Evans was suspended for a game for, for hitting Lattimore from mm -hmm. the blind side. And yet, um, it happens again, even though it wasn't from the blind side, but it was still an egregious hit and he, he gets one game. So I think if you're the Saints or your Saints fans, and maybe not even if you're the Saints, if you're just looking at it objectively, you go, well, he got one game before. And you know, when they do these um, suspensions, they always have a letter saying, if you do it again, you know, we're going to uh, come down stronger. Well, they gave him a, a game again. Right. And so, like I said, I think you can make the case that he should have gotten, you know, more than a one game suspension. So that flies totally contrary to what Tom Brady says, <laughs> that it's uh, ridiculous that he got suspended in the first place. Yeah, flies contrary to what the to what the league says. And and it's amazing that um, that uh, Marshawn seems to be the only NFL player that Mike Evans um, defends Tom Brady against. So, you know, you mix in that dynamic and, um, you know, it just seems to be that that's the one guy he can find uh, who talks to Tom Brady that he wants to hit. But, but Jared, 29 years now at USA Today. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's um, been a minute. Yeah. National columnist. Um, and you obviously uh, address a variety of subjects, but when you're addressing the NFL on subjects, especially subjects that critique the league, uh, what's the thought process that goes into that? Because, you know, a lot of people kind of shy away from critiquing the league in ways that that you do and, and, and want to do. Well, I think you, you kind of call it like you see it. Um, and I think that the great benefit for me, John, has been the opportunity to cover all 32, if you will, even though we don't always, always cover all 32, because there's some teams you just never, you never see. But anyway, point being, you cover the whole league. And so that allows you a certain um, foundation for, uh, for coverage. So you, you, you know, you try not to get skewed towards, you know, one team or another. Um, and so as these news stories develop, um, I think it's it's great to be able to um, come at it from, you know, a, a global perspective, if you will, where you're not trying to trying to you know carry the water for one team or another. So I think that's kind of how you start it. Um, but you know, the, the NFL is you know such a behemoth, if you will, that there's always going to be issues and always issues about kind of how they do their business. And the one thing that, shoot, like you said, 29 years and, you know, wrote about it nine years ago, 19 years ago, <laughs> 29 years ago, you know, it's the consistency. I think that's what you always want. And you always want to be able to, to know 
how um, things are going to be adjudicated, if you will, when it comes to suspensions or how they're going to, you know, investigate one person versus another. And we don't see consistency. That's the one thing that um, leaves the, the league open to so often. So um, I know it's a long-winded answer. How do you go about trying to trying to cover the league? I think you just have to be honest with yourself and 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 be as you know as upfront for the readers without being beholden to you know carrying the NFL's company line or something like that. Yeah. Now th this is football related and yet kind of not football related, but. I have to throw this man in flowers while he's here. Uh, congratulations on the Bill Nunn Award. Um, <laughs> now, 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 explain because I, I don't know if everyone quite understands uh, the significance of that and, and what it might mean to you. So, explain the award and also the significance of it for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's the um, the Bill Nunn Memorial Award, and it's um, presented by the Pro Football Writers of America. And it's voted on by the members, uh, so it's an extreme honor for career um, achievement. And I've been nominated, you know, I, I was nominated four years in a row, <clears throat> excuse me, and was voted in as the winner this time. The other piece of the significance to it is that it's kind of like um, your Hall of Fame moment as a writer, as a pro football writer, because. Uh, you don't get a bust <laughs> or a gold jacket, but they have um, a display at the Hall of Fame in Canton where they have a wall and they have all the, the winners named, you know, names of all the winners on a little plaque in the Hall of Fame. And so that's pretty special. So years from now, um, just like for the players and coaches and contributors who are in the Hall of Fame, this is kind of a, a moment where you can say, boy, that, that's always going to be a mark that you left. So so that's why it's pretty cool. But I've, John, it, it's been pretty amazing um, that people around the league, um, not just media people, but also coaches and GMs and obviously PR people and, and people that you, you run across have, have really acknowledged the, the award. So it's been pretty cool. Now nah, I got to just get back to the grind, man. <laughs> you know, enough for this. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of the grind, then we'll get back to football. And the Saints defense has been the strong unit for this team for the last couple of years. You know, what has been the difference for that unit, especially as they get ready to, to play a Carolina team that, uh, that not, you know, add the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, of course, but a healthy Christian McCaffrey makes that a totally different offense. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the one thing when I think about the Saints defense over, a number of years, and especially, you know, recent years, so let's say the last three, four years, they've done a really good job of um, replenishing and replacing missing parts, okay? So off the top of my head, I'm thinking, you know, Trey Hendrickson was there and had an impact, and now he's gone, and, and they're still handling it up front. Um, you know, Honey Badger is back in Louisiana now, and, you know, you lose Malcolm Jenkins. So they've done a good job of, of bringing in different guys to fit right in. And then you look at all three levels, you know, you look at the D line and linebackers and the secondary. And I think the secondary is really is key because um, in this league, you, you you have to be able to, I mean, you have to have, you got to play good defense. <laughs> I can say all three levels, but um, yeah, their secondary. We, we talked about Marshawn Lattimore uh, a few minutes ago. 
and he's like that shut down corner. That's why he gets, he, he draws the ire of Mike Evans because he shuts him down, ticks him off, right? Um, and so, yeah, they've, they've definitely got some consistency and they've been able to, you know, to, to, to work with the moving parts. I want to see when I, I'll, I'll tell you this though, John, so I'm not worried about the defense. I think they'll have a good defense and they can compete and all that. I want to see how this offense really comes together um, now. And yeah, there's continuity with Carmichael um, calling the plays and Jameis is back. And now they've got a couple, you know, new pieces on the offense and Mike Thomas is back. And, and so I, I, I they didn't really show it the other day, but they've got some people and they didn't have Camara the other day either. And not sure how long he's going to perhaps get suspended for his off the field thing. When that happens, don't know the timing of it or the length of it, but you know, that's something that they've got to be um, obviously mindful of for how they will manage that. But point being, they've got a lot of pieces in place on offense that they can work with. And now they just, I think it's a matter of, you know, finding that rhythm. You know, you said a couple of key words there. Jameis is back, and you could have said it a different way. Jameis is back. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the the four fractured vertebrae that he looked comfortable because I, I thought a couple of times he took off the run and he just didn't look, you know, aggressive. He didn't look, you know, definitive. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I was wa- watching him myself at one point in the game, um, just seeing how he was walking. So I, I agree with that. Um, you know, obviously healthy enough to get out there and play, but, but not a hundred percent. I think they're in a good spot though, to have, you know, big red Andy Dalton as the backup. And, and, and that might be the, the answer for them if, uh, you know, and, and and it's, it's totally going to depend on Winston's health. Um, but with Taysom Hill still being in the mix, I think, the Saints have done themselves a great service to get Dalton and then they can keep Taysom Hill as that X factor that they could use in a lot of different ways. So um, he had a great, Taysom Hill had a, I love watching him play like so many of us. He had a, had a great opener against Atlanta and then the Bucks found a way to, you know, to bottle him up. So, but, you know, week to week, play to play, you know, he's a moment waiting to happen. So that's another part of the offense. And Taysom Hill's usage on Sunday was a little interesting though, because it went down from the first week. They only, he was only in on about six snaps in the game. So about half over half of the time that he played in the Falcons games, we'll see how that progresses. What do you think the key is for them to, to get it going offensively? And I think it's always rhythm and flow. Um, you know, because you're always everybody's going to have injuries. Like last week, they didn't have Camara, so that's. I mean, you take him out of anybody's offense, and that's. You know, you're going to miss that, right? And you know, when they've got Camara, and then they have Ingram, and they've got the one-two punch, then you know you can attack a certain way, and you can, you know, get reinforcements and all that. Um, so I, I think it's always the NFL is such a matchup driven league okay so Taysom Hill had the big day against the Falcons um and then you, you just have a tougher time matching up against the Bucks. you know just t- you know Tampa Bay's linebackers um you know might be the best group in the NFL and so um it was going to be tough anyway 
going up against them. But, you know, by the same token, I mean, I'm not telling the people in New Orleans anything because the Saints defense has done such a number on the Bucks in recent years. Um, so it's, it's a matchup thing. So how do you get that going? Um, throw the ball to Michael Thomas first and then get him involved, right? <laughs> I think that's what you do um, to get the passing game going. But then, you know, they've got, a, you know, Alave, the rookie, is going to be, you know, a playmaker. We, we know that. We, it, it, and so now they've got to get them, when I talk about rhythm and flow, um, connect with him when they can, because they had the opportunities the other day. Jarvis Landry, we saw him against Atlanta make some huge plays. Um, he's a baller, you know, he's not the fastest guy, not the biggest guy, but just, you know, a versatile guy who can make plays. So they've got a lot of different things they can lean on. But I think, Aaron, it really just comes down to matchup. So it could go from, you know, one week to the next. But you always want Michael Thomas in the, in the mix. And, and I think the thing, like when, when I watched that, I watched the, the replay of the um, Falcons game and Michael Thomas didn't have a catch in the first half. Now they tried a couple passes to him, but it didn't, didn't work. And they were still, they were off with the timing and all of that is, you know, passes were behind them and stuff like that. But I think that's the guy that, you know, you say, okay, let's, you know, give him a couple passes to get, you know, you know, moving, flowing early in the game. And then you go from there. You've covered football for an extensive amount of time. You saw all of Sean Payton's reign here with the saints, with Drew Brees, how do you think this team is set up for the future, though, with the head coach that's been here within the system, the players are familiar with, and, you know, the front office is very comfortable with? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good situation for uh, the Saints to have Pete Carmichael uh, and, you know, obviously Dennis Allen as a head coach would have Pete running, running the offense, so you have the continuity there. Um, interestingly, I know people in New Orleans don't care about this, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a similar situation too, where they've got Todd Bowles replacing Bruce Arians. Now Bruce Arians still on the sideline. That's another matter. <laughs> so just waiting for Sean to make his uh, <laughs> Superdome return boy. But uh, you know, the Bucs have the same situation though. They've got Bowles who ran a defense. It's a really good defense. And I think what that gives Dennis Allen and Carmichael and everybody else, you know, on the, the, the Saints coaching staff is the knowledge of knowing kind of how to utilize people, know what buttons to push on certain people, um, know how people are going to respond. So while it's a new coach and obviously there'll be different things that uh, Dennis Allen will want to do that maybe Sean didn't, you know, with scheduling or, you know, other, you know, elements of it all. The fact that you have that that baseline of knowledge is is just great to have. So now you got to do it because if you if you're not successful, then it makes so you can, so you can't just take Sean Payton out of the equation and not expect to miss him. So that is going to happen just because I mean that's who he is. But that doesn't mean you still can't win. You still can't compete. And you know maybe you can you know, take it all away. I think back to a few years ago with the Indianapolis Colts when Tony Dungy left and they had a similar situation where Jim Caldwell stays on the staff and gets promoted to be head coach. And then, oh, by the way, they go to the Super Bowl. So there is something to be said for, 
you know, for having a continuity and a coaching staff that um, can allow a team to just kind of pick up and, and keep moving like that. So I'm sure the Saints are hoping for that. Jerry, you, you being a national guy, are you a fan of these like week to week polls? This is the best team in the NFL <laughs> after two weeks. This is the best team in the league after eight quarters. Because I mean, because it, it you know, personally, it just aggravates me. But, you know, it's always great for, for readership and it's always great for viewership because, you know, it, it drives, you know, I don't want to say controversy, but it drives conversation. It's, yeah, it's one of the yeah. things where people love to see polls and they love to discuss polls. Are, are you are you a fan of that? No, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of polls. But <laughs> just as you as you said, John, I, I understand um, the the value, if you will, from a interest standpoint. Um, you know, I, I've always hated like the college football polls, I mean, and that's a, that's a, that's an even you know yeah. greater um, you know component to their sport because it's going to matter you know, which ball games you get to, if you're in the final eight or four or whatever. Um, but in the NFL, yeah, it's just talk until next week. Right. Because so, yeah, you could say you're, you're, you're the power ranking. And I think we, even before they started doing these NFL polls, you always looked at certain teams. Okay. Yeah. That's the team to beat. And, you know, we know the Packers are going to be good and we know, you know, the Cowboys are good or whatever. Um, so I think that's about, the way I look at it, but I'll tell you what, I personally, as someone who covers it and someone who consumes it, I, I don't think I could tell you right now who is ranked as the number. I could probably sit there and guess and say, oh yeah, Buffalo has had two blowouts, but you know, shoot, it, 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 you know how this thing goes, man. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to November and if Buffalo loses two or three games in a row, um, or even two in a row, you know, it's like, are you going to really remember that? So sometimes in the NFL, you know, A, it's a grind, it's a long season, but it's also about when you catch your opponent. So if you catch a certain opponent at a time when their running back is out, well, you might have a different result, right? Yeah. And, you know, same for almost any position, you know, they're missing their their top lineman or their top pass rusher or the number one cornerback, you know, all of that plays into it. So I think it's always going to be about how people look in December. So win enough games early so you can have yourself in position, you know, try to win a division title and get the buy and all that stuff, obviously. But when it comes to really looking at the, you know, the big picture, it's like where are you in December going into January to really be able to make that run? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. so I don't know what the polls have to do with that. <laughs> okay. All right, well, At all. Two, two quickies here. How many miles do you log during a season, and where are you this weekend? Uh, I'm going to Tampa this weekend, so I get the Bucks again <laughs> without Michael Evans. With Mike Evans. Um, you know, it depends, I, you know, I, I, how many miles I haven't, haven't counted, but I probably do, you know, do like a trip a week, pretty much, you know, I have some home games. I live in Atlanta. Um, you know, uh, didn't do as much training camp this year as normal. So, you know, over the course of the year, I don't know, man, that, that, that might be 50,000 miles or hundred thousand. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, you know, when you start throwing those West coast trips, I got a West Coast trip coming in a couple of weeks and, you know, and uh, we'll see about Seattle and all those places. So, yeah, the miles can definitely add up. 
you know, you just mentioned that 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 did you didn't come here for training camp. That's kind of a, an annual thing for you, isn't it? Uh, you know, yeah, didn't do it this year, but I haven't I haven't been there for for camp in in a couple of years. It, it varies because um, you know, sometimes um, it's just the storylines, you know, where where you end up going. And so, no, didn't get there this year. Uh, and thought about it, but you know, I think. You know, there's so much coverage in the NFL on a year-round basis. That's what's different. You know, you talk about how long I've been doing this. Um, you know, it used to be a time when there was like a real off-season and you you didn't see the players until maybe they'd have a little mini camp and that would be it. But now, I mean, from a, a, a media standpoint, you cover this thing, you know, wall-to-wall from – the combine <laughs> until the kick until, until the Super Bowl. You know, like you go even There's in no the, off season now. Yeah, you yeah. know, you always you you like to think that in June, early July, that's probably you know, there's usually a soft spot right around I, I, after that last OTA or mini camp and before training camp. So usually, yeah, but but stuff tend that tends to happen during that period. I remember last year it was kind of like okay, the Washington football team had all this drama going on and, and that's from a national standpoint mm-hmm. yeah. so, yeah. so you know one team it may end up being just totally um a dead period but from a national standpoint you might have to hop on you know some off the field tragedy somebody getting arrested uh some court case you know it, there's always something going on even you know when it's supposed to be in the down period so anyway yeah from that national perspective, what what is one or two teams that really intrigued you coming into the season that you think may start to click or might be a surprise late in the season? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think like a lot of us, I was looking at um, Buffalo as being, you know, a team that could really like take that step. Mm-hmm. And so they had the number one defense last year. They had the heartbreaking loss in the playoffs at Kansas City and then oh by the way they add Von Miller to like the number one defense right and so I think that's really impressive I mean we we just I think we used to see it in the NBA a lot or I could think of a period in the NBA when we saw it whereas like the, the teams going from year to year competing for the championship they had to go one step at the like Detroit had to finally get past Boston and then they finally had to get to the finals and all that. And so I think that's kind of what I see with the Buffalo Bills, where you know they've been a good team for a couple years and then they've you know got beaten in the in the playoffs and boy they handed it to Tennessee. I'm not a big Tennessee Titans um believer. And after they they blew the number one seed last year, I think they're going to be hard pressed to, to get back there. Uh, the Bengals are starting 0-2. That's kind of a surprise, but mm-hmm. I'm a real big believer in this whole Super Bowl losers jinx thing and, and um, or hangover or whatever, because we keep seeing it over and over. Yeah. And a lot of times you go into the season and you listen to the people that talk about what's going to happen. And it's like people kind of pick right up from last year. It's like, okay, well, this team was good last year. Well, that's not always the case. In Buffalo's case, it's the case. But, it, it you know, Cincinnati for winning all the games it did last year, late, last second, last minute, field goals, 
it's going to be different. And it has been so far. So I say that one other team that I really um, have an eye on are the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, and so they took care of it on Monday night against Minnesota, but they had a good uh, running game last year and it's going to be even better. So if Hurts, as he showed he's capable of the other night, can, you know, take it to another level as a passer, um, yeah, I think the Eagles and not the Cowboys are going to be the team to beat. And now, and with Dak Prescott being hurt, that that hurts the Cowboys even more. But the Cowboys have have a really good defense too. That Micah Parsons is is the truth, man. So um, anyway, yeah, that's that was a couple of thoughts that I have. But yeah, you know, every year in the NFL, there's like five teams that you know are going to be good. And maybe five teams that you know are not going to be good and they're rebuilding and all this. And then in the middle, you got like 20, 22 teams and it could go either way. And, and, you know, do you win your close games? Do you get somebody hurt or whatever? It can go either way. You get hot, rookie comes in, kicks butt, whatever. Um, so that's part of the magic of the NFL. Oh, the we have seen enough. Yeah. We've seen enough of Jalen Hurts around here, Jerry. Yeah, and we're going <laughs> to see him again at the end of this season. We have seen enough of him. Hey, when, when you mentioned Cincinnati, uh, do younger teams appreciate the the level of attention they're going to get the next year, being the hunted instead of being the team that do that's doing the hunted? Because you know now, now suddenly you're everybody's target. Yeah, I mean you hear you hear that a lot. And maybe there's something to it. I don't, I, I almost think that, you know, that, that it really doesn't matter that, that that's not the big thing. I, I, I know what you're saying because, you know, you talk about a team being hardened and, you know, really being mentally focused on what they have to do. I think there's definitely something to be said for that and that teams um, can develop of uh, a, a resiliency based on the experience, right? So I, I so I do believe that. Um, but I also think that if you had talked to the Bengals last year, I mean, as they were going week to week, it's kind of like the challenge is there every week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard to put, you know, to give a real, you know, credible answer to that because it's just conjecture. Um, but there is no dispute that when you won the championship last year, uh, the AFC championship anyway, that there is more of a target and you get a tougher schedule too, by the way. <laughs> so, so that yeah. can, that can yeah. make as much of a difference as anything. Well, I was going to say, we see the Bengals here soon and that's always a big matchup. It's because now with Joe Burrow and oh, yeah. Utah's yeah. and all that. And then, yes, as JD mentioned, we will be, at the Eagles to start the year. So that's going to be an interesting matchup there as well, especially now that, you know, CD Deuce is going to be on the other side and we'll see how that one goes. But a lot of interesting games to look forward to. If you make it back to new Orleans, I'm sure somewhere in the city, I mean, it's black and gold here. We can find you a gold jacket. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that would be something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they well, make them all that. sequins, all everything. If you want it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like a New Orleans party. That's for sure. <laughs> well, well, thank you so that. much. Yeah, we appreciate the time. 
Really appreciate Bell joining us and giving us so much of his time. Don't forget to get your picks in for the 2022 New Orleans Saints Pick'em Pool presented by SeatGeek. Head to NewOrleansSaints.com and play weekly for a shot to win $10,000 tickets to every Saints home game in 2023 and extra weekly prizes. On Friday's episode, we'll dive into the matchup with the Panthers a little bit more with former Panthers quarterback Jake DeLome and Fox analyst Matt Millen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.